Good morning and welcome back to Midpoint, your midweek, mid-morning source for news and public affairs from a local perspective. I'm Shelley Reback and I'm here with volunteers Jessica Green running the soundboard and Barbara Fling who will be answering your calls. Last week, we went on air the morning after the Supreme Court leak of a draft Supreme Court opinion overturning 50 years of abortion rights protection under Roe v. Wade. Although that opinion is not final, more than ever, we now know what's coming and likely when it's coming as the court closes out its term in late June or early July. I promised you last week that this week we would talk about that opinion and what it means for abortion rights today, and here we are with my guests, Kelly and Jackie, the founders of the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund. Welcome to Midpoint, ladies. Thank Thank you. you. Now, to me, the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund is like sort of like the feeding Tampa Bay of pro-choice organizations. As I see it, you don't provide advocacy around abortion laws. You don't litigate on behalf of pro-choice causes or clinics. You're not a clinic yourself, and you don't provide abortions or related health care. So essentially, you're not Planned Parenthood. You're something very different. Uh, You're more like feeding Tampa Bay, which just basically has as its prime directive to feed people who are hungry. And in your case... As I understand it, if someone needs an abortion, you, the abortion fund, help them get it. Um, So tell us what that entails, uh, Kelly. And I'm using only your first names because I don't want to contribute to any harassment toward you from any anti-abortion activists, of which there are many in our local area, and I'm sure that you have had some experience with. So, So tell us, what is the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund? Thank you so much for having us on. The Tampa Bay Abortion Fund's sole mission is to provide access for abortion for people within the Tampa Bay area or coming to the Tampa Bay area that cannot access an abortion through their own network. Either they don't have the financial means to pay for an abortion or they don't have a support group to drive them to an abortion. They may not have a a car uh, or access to transportation to get to an abortion. They may need a lodging. They may may need childcare. They may need reimbursement for taking time off work. Um, So in general, we serve the no to low income segment of the Tampa Bay region and people coming into Tampa Bay. Um, And that's what we have done for six years now. So if someone needs an abortion and they lack the kinds of resources that you, you mentioned, um, how, how do they even know that you exist? And, and how, would they, how would they come to your attention? And what kind of screening would you do before you agreed to provide them services or help? There are several ways that, that clients can get directed to us. We've been around for six years. And our first year, we had relatively few clients, 52 clients in our first year. Last year, we had 614. Wow. So a lot of that is word of mouth. We um, have friends tell friends. Uh, we get out in certain communities, and people know to call us. Um, also, we work with seven clinics in the Tampa Bay area, and they know us very well. I think we might be on their speed dials. So when a client calls in to them and is making an appointment, and expresses concern over the price. Most 
people, I don't think, are aware of the price of, a, of an abortion. Yeah, tell us. A, a first trimester abortion starts at about six twenty-five. Six hundred twenty-five. Yes. A first trimester abortion. Correct. Isn't that an abortion that is generally uh, able to be handled through a medication abortion? Up until ten weeks, most of the clinics can handle it through medication abortion, but all of the clients have the option to have a procedure if they prefer. So they have the option to choose. It is more expensive to have a procedure as opposed to taking the uh, the, the pills. And and the, why would someone choose to have a procedure rather than to take the pill? Is that because they take the pill, they go home, and then they experience essentially a miscarriage on their own, that's potentially ex- without support? That, and- that's exactly it. Um, the Taking the pill is an experience. It takes about two to three days. And there might be some uh, after after effects for up to two weeks. If you go in and have a sur- what, what they used to call a surgical procedure, it's done. You're, Is you're, that what they call a DNC? It's similar. It's an extraction or manual aspiration. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's usually done under under sedation, light sedation, depending on how what what the gestation is. So it depends on the person having it how they are affected by the. By the sedation. Hmm. So uh, you started to say a person who is in a first trimester might need to pay $625, and, and that's like across the board, including like Planned Parenthood clinics and private clinics, and that's a, a general idea of the, of the price? Yes. It's pretty standard. Some of the clinics are $5 more. Some are $25 more. Planned Parenthood tends to be uh, up to $50 more. Um, but that's the start the starting price. Then there is uh, a national fund that's uh, led by both Planned Parenthood and the National Abortion Federation. And they apply what's generally 10 to uh, 20% of uh, that price for w- women that that qualify. So you mean income-based income-based qualifications? Yes. So when someone calls the clinic and they have to ask for funding, they have to say, "I can't afford six hundred and twenty-five." Planned Parenthood or the independent clinics will then screen them for income, and if they qualify, they drop down to about four thirty-five for a first trimester general abortion. So most people don't have $400 in the bank in the U.S., so that's still quite out of the reach of a number of people, especially no to low income Now, folks. this is probably a really good point in our discussion to point out that no abortions are federally funded by any federal income aid program. So you, don't, you, you can't uh, get your abortion funded by Medicaid, right? In Florida, you cannot. You cannot. In, in some states, you can. Okay, yes. so that's a state-based Correct. restriction that is subject to Florida law. Correct. Hmm. Okay. And in Florida, there are also limits on private insurance use for abortion. Oh, so, tell so, me about that. I don't know a lot about that. Uh-huh. Um, it's very, very rare for a client to be able to use abort, uh, insurance for an abortion in, in Florida. In the six years that we've been doing it, I think I've had about two clients that have been able to. And that was through Planned Parenthood, which has the resources to run the, the insurance and to check. Most of the independent clinics don't even have the wherewithal to run insurance credentials and, and keep that up. So most of the, this is out of pocket. And the clients will express that they can't meet the 435, and that's when the clinic would would call us or the National Abortion Federation would call us or Planned Parenthood would reach out to us. I see. 
And then uh, what, what, what would be the next step for a client in that circumstance? The, the client would reach out to you personally? or We, we have to, an intake line. Okay, tell and, us about how that works. That's our preferred method. We have an intake line with a very long voicemail message that asks a number of questions. We want to know the person's first name, the initial of their last name, uh, the clinic that they are going to, the time and date of their procedure, whether they have already been given funding from the National Abortion Federation or from Planned Parenthood, and whether they need additional assistance with transportation or child care. And then the most important question is, how much do you need? And they give us all that information, and when they have provided that information, one of our volunteers will call them back and confirm everything. And of course, a lot of people don't provide it all. We really can't make a pledge until we have all of that information. So once our volunteer gathers all that information, um, we, we have a certain limit that we can go up to for first trimester. Our limit is up to 500. We can go over that if we need to by going back to our board. But in general, 500 covers the needs of our clients because they've already been funded by a national program, Planned Parenthood or NAF. Which subsidizes the, like the first 20%. The, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, your, your organization is, is primarily volunteer-based, is all, that? All volunteer-based, yes. All volunteer-based. Mm-hmm. So uh, how do you get your volunteers? Well, we've been doing this for six years, and we started off with a core group of mostly um, older women who felt passionate about abortion access. And over the last six years, we've had a very concerted effort to diversify our team of volunteers. So we have, um, of our board now, we have two that are in their 20s, one who's in her 30s, and only one older person that's still on the board. So we're really trying to reflect back the community that we serve and have uh, volunteers that are of reproductive age. But um, we, we have Facebook, we have Twitter, we have Instagram, uh, we have a newsletter, so anyone that's... We have a website. We have a website, yes. So Which is? TBAfund.com. Thank you. And we also have a volunteer... Dot app. com or dot org? Dot, dot com. Oh, okay. And we also have a volunteer application on that website. And we do screen our volunteers pretty carefully um, because they we, we don't collect a lot of sensitive client data, but we collect enough that we want to make sure the people talking to the clients are whom we want to have talking to the clients. So when someone does submit a volunteer application, we ask for references, we check references, um, we do a little dig into their social media, we want to make sure that they are really who they say they are. Yeah, I could see an opportunity for some corruption of that uh, process by people who want to make mischief or worse. We haven't had that yet, but we are very careful about that. We want to make sure that our clients feel safe and are safe. So does that mean that your volunteers are all women? We have had a number of male volunteers that provide certain things like clinic escorts outside of the clinic. We have had male volunteers um, help us with legal issues. Um, So we do accept male volunteers for our drivers Mm -hmm. who normally pick up uh, a person after they've had a procedure and they're sedated. We have so far only used females. Okay. And um, and where do you get your funding to do this? You, you know, the, the organization's funding to pay that, like, $500 that a client may need. Our, our first several years, we were 
pretty much independently sourced through friends and family. Wow. Um, we started in our North Pinellas area um, and relied heavily on our neighbors and the, the local democratic clubs and the folks that we knew. We've had a lot of support from, from the North Pinellas Dems and from uh, Pinellas Now and other, other local groups. So we, we raised money locally. Um, in our fifth year, we had such a presence that and we had become national that we were able to get a number of national group a number of national grants. So last year we switched from being primarily individual donor based to being largely institutional grant based. It, it completely flipped. It's now seventy percent institutional funds and thirty percent individual donations funds. yes from individuals mm -hmm. so are you a 501c3 registered charity under the irs regulations absolutely we have been since 2018 so that would mean that contributions to you would be tax deductible correct <laughs> that's interesting um okay let's let's uh i i have a um a text message here from somebody who wants to know how much is plan b or the abortion pills now this is a very interesting question because I think that there's a lot of confusion in the world about the difference between Plan B and abortion pills because they're not the same thing at all. Not at all. And they do different things at different times in a pregnancy or in a, in a woman's uh, cycle. And I, I, I would like you to explain that for the benefit of... Uh, well, we don't have a name, and that's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. Okay, but uh, to answer that question. Sure. Plan B, we call emergency contraception. Plan B is actually a brand name. So we have a number of brands of emergency contraception that we supply to clients and to groups around town to distribute. And plan, plan B, or emergency contraception, is to be used after having unprotected sex. Right so, after. Right after. I think the uh, time frame is within three days. Uh, so... We do provide that. You can generally buy that for the texter from um, any place. You can get it over the counter, and it starts at about $7, and it can go up to about $50, depending on... And you on don't need a prescription for You do this. not need a prescription. Unfortunately, in Florida, there are a number of uh, pharmacies and Publix is one example where they keep it behind the counter. So instead of just pulling it off with your... Um, Aspirin. Cold or, yeah, with yeah. your other medications, you have to ask the pharmacist, which can be embarrassing for some clients. Um, but it is supposed to be over-the-counter, and there are efforts by many groups to make sure that it is available over-the-counter. Now, one thing I think it's important to point out is that Plan B, or emergency contraception, which is to be taken within three days of unprotected sex, supposedly um, only works for women effectively who are under 150 pounds. That's correct. And so there's another uh, kind of um, emergency contraception that's not Plan B, which is a brand name. And that brand name is called Ella, but you do need a prescription for that. Isn't that correct? That, I believe, is correct, yes. Yeah. So, you know, if you're a more, you know, zoftic, heavyset, uh, voluptuous woman of over 150 pounds, you should not rely on the effectiveness of Plan B because it may not uh, it may not work for you. Right? Exactly, and one of the reasons we need to have access to abortion is because contraception in general is not fail-safe and neither is emergency contraception. So we have had many clients calling for an abortion because their contraception failed or their emergency contraception failed. 
Right. So, okay, so we've talked about Plan B or emergency contraception, and that is uh, hopefully effective on women under 150 pounds within the first three days after unprotected sex. And then the texter wants to know about the abortion pills. Tell us about that. The abortion pills that are available now through the network have been available through clinics and, and through uh, networks for a very long time. Uh, in Europe, they're used primarily for abortion in the first trimester. Throughout the world, they're used primarily for abortion. In Mexico, they're over-the-counter. Uh, in the U.S., 54% of women use medical abortion pills. And it's a set of two pills, uh, mifeprestone and misoprostol. And you can get them from your clinic. And as I mentioned, the price is about six twenty-five. And they will give you the first pill at the clinic, and then you go home and take the remaining pills. So it's kind of self-managed abortion with the clinic distributing them to you. Or you can buy them online from Aid Access for $105, and Aid Access can mail them to your home. Depending on which state you live in, there are certain restrictions that make it possibly legally risky to do so. However... If you're in need, you can purchase them for $105 from the, the Netherlands. And it does take up to two to three weeks, perhaps, to arrive. So you have to make sure you're getting them in a timely fashion. But you can also ask for a sliding scale from Aid Access and get them for free. Wow. And uh, what is Aid Access and how would someone contact them? There is a wonderful website called PlanCPills.org that has all of the options for finding information on self-medication abortion. You can find all of the vendors like Aid Access in the Netherlands. You can find uh, telemedicine providers within the U.S. that are distributing legally in California and Colorado and the states in which it's, it's, it's uh, accepted to do now. You can find online pharmacies that you can order from. So any information on finding a pill, you can find that by state on plancpills.org. You can also find on that website the legal risks associated by state and some of their, they call it creatively managing access. <laughs> so they will provide you with ways to creatively obtain the pills if you live in a state that perhaps might be legally risky, like Florida. Yeah, tell us about the Florida, the status of Florida in that regard. Florida, by Plan C Pills website, is considered a yellow flag. They have green flag states like California. There's really very little problem with transporting or distributing uh, self-managed pills. But in Florida, telemedicine is illegal at this point in time. So it is considered a yellow, uh, yellow state. So at this point, it's considered illegal to receive Plan C through the mail at your home in the, Florida? The, there are uh, a number of legal risks associated with it, and we will be having... I, I'm not a lawyer. I know you are, Shelley, but I'm not. I was. But, but you were. <laughs> but we will be having a, a webinar on May 24th that will explain the legal risks to receiving Plan C in Florida specifically. Is that open to the public? It is open to the public, although we are vetting the mm -hmm. participants. So we will have uh, the organization If, When, How, which is a reproductive legal organization that has been providing us guidance for a very long time and also provides guidance to individuals who need to have legal representation. So they will be providing this information, and they will do it far better than I can, can do it. And how can someone sign up to, to participate in that webinar or view the webinar? We have it on our website, tbafund.com. We have it on our social media, and there is a link for you to sign up. And then 
once we have your email, we might do a quick search just, just to make sure that you're not an anti that will be joining the call. Okay, and I just want to let you know that my texter sent a thank you message oh, for that information. <laughs> and if you'd like to ask Kelly or Jackie questions about abortion access, uh, give us a call at 813-239-9663, or you can join us by texting 813-433-0885, or you can email us. Uh, send it to DJ at WMNF.org, and we'll be happy to take your questions and comments on air. So, uh, okay, so we pretty much covered the first trimester of abortion uh, access, didn't we, um, right now? So let's move into what happens if somebody doesn't know they're pregnant or for whatever reason, they, they just miss the boat on their first trimester and they determine that they want and need an abortion in the second trimester in the state of Florida, locally. What, what, what are their options? In, in Tampa Bay, there are two clinics that provide later, uh, pr- later abortion procedures. One goes up to 22 weeks and one goes up to 23.3. And now, even after the law has recently changed with the 15-week ban, we that, have... That will be in effect in July. Yes. So as of today, mm-hmm. you can still obtain an abortion in Tampa Bay mm-hmm. up to 22 weeks. 23.3. 23.3 weeks. Yes, and That's in Florida, you can travel to Fort Lauderdale up to 24 weeks. Okay. Well, that, I think that's important information to get that's, out there. That's very important. And we have been a receiving state for the rest of the South for many years since we started the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund because other states have lower uh, gestation rates that they will serve. So we have long uh, covered folks from Mississippi and Louisiana and South Carolina and Alabama and surrounding states. And as of, what is it, July 1st, that's going to change? July 1st, that will change, yes. Yeah, because then the 15-week ban will go into effect in Florida. And of course, many states already have these trigger laws Mm -hmm. that will automatically ban all abortion in the first and second trimesters if and when Roe is overturned as suggested in this leaked opinion, right? Correct. Yeah, and that would probably include Florida as well. Only because I say that, because in the news in the in the in the last week, we've heard from our governor DeSantis uh, crowing about this uh, decision and his plans to ensure that there won't be any access to abortion in Florida. Correct. And we're waiting with bated breath to see whether he brings that issue to the special session, which is starting on May 23rd. There's a lot of concern in the. Uh, abortion rights community that he's going to, because he said uh, this property insurance special session isn't necessarily limited to property insurance. He can bring in other issues. And this is one that we're concerned that he may raise. That's correct. And I just want to point out that the majority of Floridians support access to abortion. And this is where your vote is so important, because the Um, Current Florida legislature leans Republican, and there is a very good chance that should this this bill go into um, the the special session that it will be it will be um, supported. Yeah, it'll pass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, um, let me just say that uh, we have a little message from uh, our station uh, our station uh, that we need to run now. Uh, to talk about our summer fund. And so we're going to take a brief break for that. Hi. 
This is DJ Spaceship from Waves of the Bay, giving you a friendly reminder about our 2022 Summer Fun Drive from June 7th to the 14th. You can donate by phone at 813-238-8001 or via the tip jar at WMNF.org. All right. So uh, I have on the line um, our other guest, Chris, who is a volunteer with the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund. Chris, uh, you're on the air. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having us. Uh, now, I understand that you're home with COVID, and that's why you couldn't join us in the studio today. I hope you're feeling all right. Thank you. Um, so, Chris, um, perhaps you've heard us uh, earlier in the show talk about uh, the, what the volunteers do um, for Tampa Bay Abortion Fund. Can you tell us from your own experience, what's it like volunteering for Tampa Bay Abortion Fund? How, you know, what are the kinds of people you meet in terms of the clients that you've helped and, and the people that you've screened on the phone who have asked for assistance? Yeah, absolutely. Um, volunteering for TBAF has been um, uh, life-changing. Uh, I think it's been a lot of fun to be able to be doing on-the-ground work and making a direct impact um, and doing something that will affect and help uh, our local community members. So it's, I've met a lot of awesome people through Give uh, a Bay Abortion Fund, and um, that's through, like you said, like through volunteering and also through um, our intake. And um, I've been doing intake for over a year and a half, I think. Um, and it's been, um, you know, you hear from a wide range of people and a wide range of um, people asking for assistance uh, for different reasons. So um, it's, it's been eye-opening and, and uh, very um, fulfilling to be able to help uh, people in our community. Well, tell me, who, like, who's a typical client, if, you, if there is such a thing? Maybe there isn't, but is there a typical client who calls needing assistance from the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund? Um, I, I would say that there isn't. Um, we don't ask a lot of personal questions um, because we don't need that information. Mm -hmm. um, we definitely listen if they have concerns or anything that they want to talk about. Um, but we don't ask, like, why they're asking for abortion services or why they don't have the funds. You know, we don't ask those types of things. Um, sometimes people will, you know, go into, you know, financial situations and talk about how they lost their job due to COVID or um, personal relationships and things like that. But, uh, yeah, we um, get very little information and just uh, ask them to assess their situation and we trust them in their decision. Well, I, I appreciate that. That makes sense. Do you, um, do you have a Spanish-speaking intake, too? We do. We have um, one of our um, uh, one of our volunteers speak Spanish um, and assist with people who call in or email uh, in, in Spanish as well. Okay. All right. So, and now the business. I understand that there's a lot of driving involved um, for your volunteers. Tell us about that. What's with the driving? Yeah. So uh, one of the barriers that uh, a lot of our callers face is transportation. Um, whether that getting, um, whether that's the fact that they don't have a car or um, if there is sedation, they need somebody to drive them home, um, or the fact that there is so much stigma surrounding abortion that they don't feel comfortable talking to friends or partners about um, needing transportation home from an abortion clinic. So um, 
a big need that we've heard from uh, people calling in is that they need assistance with transportation. So we have a team of awesome volunteers who can assist with that. They're familiar with the clinics, the local clinics, and the procedures that the clinics have. Um, and they, you know, take a holistic approach to assisting our clients um, through getting their medications after their appointment, sometimes um, taking them to get food after their appointment because, you know, it's been a long day of not eating. Um, and then sometimes we have people coming from out of town, so um, helping them navigate getting assistance with things like maybe an extra set of clothes if they had to come last minute out of town um, and are staying at a hotel. We've had um, people stop at, you know, the local store and get them some clothes and toothbrush and things like that um, mm. while driving them back to where they're staying. How far afield does your network cover? Does your volunteer, um, you know, cadre go to to help people? How far from, well, first of all, the, the, where are the clinics and how far afield would you need to go to help someone um, get to a clinic? Uh, I would say, first of all, uh, in Tampa Bay, we do have uh, seven clinics that we work with currently. Um, so in the Tampa Bay area, Tampa, Clearwater, St. Pete, um, we have um, multiple clinics that we work with. So it is um, nice that we have multiple places that people can go in such a small area. That may obviously change after the 15-week ban affects everything. But um, we do have uh, volunteers for practical support as far as, um, like, Lakeland. Um, but we are also, uh, abortion funds are an amazing network that work together. So there's a lot of other funds that we work with, including um, like the funds in Fort Lauderdale and in Orlando. So we can make sure that we work with them to get everybody covered, whether they're coming from somewhere out of town or even out of state. Okay. Uh, and so um, when uh, a client contacts uh, your, your uh, helpline or your intake line, um, you do do some income screening, don't you, to make sure? No, you do no, you, no, no. We don't. We don't do any in, income screening. We um, the national funding sources um, do stuff like that, but we just ask what their total is and what uh, what their need is. Um, we trust their assessment of it and, and know that you know it's it's not an easy thing to ask for. So. Wow. Okay. All right. So uh, what is the training like for a volunteer who may want to, um, you know, to join your network of volunteers? Yeah, so we have, um, uh, like Kelly had mentioned earlier, we have a uh, volunteer application uh, form on our website where someone can fill out some uh, information about themselves, about their experience, and um, what they are hoping to do with um, with our organization. And then also uh, we asked for some references just to do a little bit of a check there as well. Um, and then we just kind of walk them through the steps of our history and what we currently do. And then we also, um, you know, really reiterate our core values and our um, privacy expectations and um, client expectations and um, rethinking assumptions, things like that. So... One way to keep out anti-abortion people who may want to do some sabotage in your organization is to seek references for people who apply to be volunteers. Is that is that right? That's that's one of the ways as well. Um, we I mean we ask for references. Um, a lot of our volunteers have come from 
um, some other experience, whether that's working with, you know, uh, another local group, um, whether that's sometimes like the local Democratic groups or other women's groups, um, other groups uh, that kind of fall in line with reproductive justice and, and kind of overlap a little bit. So uh, we have a lot of people who are volunteering in, in multiple aspects, so that uh, helps expedite that process as well. So, uh, okay, and um, in in... In the course of working with people, have you had any have you had any bad experiences with, uh, you know, any harassment or I know Kelly, you mentioned something about that, didn't you? Yes, we we as as I've mentioned, we've been around for six years and we have never really had any issues until right after Governor DeSantis signed the fifteen week bill into law and the. Um, Within 48 hours, we had our first um, death threat over our intake line. And so that is the only thing that we've had in six years. I anticipate that we may be getting a few more Mm -hmm. as the need for abortion funds um, increases. And as our, hopefully, our um, outreach increases, we really need people to be aware of where they can turn for finding access. You know, Kelly, uh, we had a, a conversation before we went on the air about um, the essential philosophical differences between the abortion funds like yours and the National Network of Abortion Funds and the organizations like Planned Parenthood and NARAL. It's more than just that you function differently, that you provide different services, but there seems to be sort of a philosophical difference um, in the way you present uh, the issue of abortion assistance. Tell me about that. Our our assistance and the National Network of Abortion Funds members' um, assistance and our goals and our mission are to help the people on the ground. Um, the other larger national organizations are more concerned with liaising with um, legislat- le- le- legislators or uh, other organizations, but we deal with the people directly. And that was why we started in 2017. We wanted to help our neighbors, and we started very small in North Pinellas. Now we do all of Tampa Bay. But the goal is to help the person next door who cannot get access and make sure they have access. And that's the goal of all abortion funds. Uh, and I, I just would like to mention that in Florida, there are five abortion funds. So it's not just us. We handle Tampa Bay, and we can help anyone coming to Tampa Bay, but there's also a fund in Fort Lauderdale, there's a fund in Miami, there's a fund in Broward, and there's a fund in Jacksonville. So together we handle the state and provide access for pretty much anyone that needs it. And I don't know if Chris wants to talk about a very interesting case where we, Tampa Bay Abortion Fund, started with a client and followed them up to Volusia County and then sent them down to Fort Lauderdale to a different abortion fund. And in two weeks we managed to serve this one client through several abortion funds, about six lawyers, and uh, a million Ubers and a couple of flights. Wow, wow. Yeah, so you really go the distance for the clients who need abortion access. Um, Many years ago, as a cooperating counsel for the ACLU, I had a case where a young woman was in jail um, and she needed an abortion. And, of course, there's no funding for her as a jail inmate to get an abortion. And we had to look to, at that time, an abortion fund in Fort Lauderdale, which mm-hmm. was the only abortion fund that we were able to find mm-hmm. at that time who was willing to 
provide funding for her to not only have the abortion, but to be transported and pay for jail transportation to a clinic and back and so, so much like that. So, um, so I appreciate that sometimes it's complex to give clients um, abortion access. Um, one of the other things we talked about, and let me just remind our listeners that you're welcome to join our conversation by calling 813-239-9663. You can email me at dj at WMNF or you can text at 813-433-0885 if you have questions for Kelly uh, from the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund. You're welcome to present them to us uh, and to her on air and we'll do our best to answer them. Um, one of the things that uh, we talked about earlier was the different way that abortion uh, rights are promoted by your organization versus some of the bigger, uh, like Planned Parenthood, for example. One of the things that um, I notice is that, especially since this uh, legal decision was leaked, there's a, um, there's a lot of um, ginning up of fear um, among women, you know, that we're going back to the days of back alley abortions and wire hanger abortions and throwing yourself down the stairs to lose an unwanted pregnancy and that type of thing. Um, I personally feel that there's some, you know, political advantage to those kinds of, you know, scary uh, messages. But I understand that you see it differently. Tell us about that. We see it very differently, and unfortunately, those messages hopefully are just going to Planned Parenthood donors and, and the national organization's donors as they try to raise funds for to support them. Um, for us, our messaging is for the clients and the people that we serve, and we want to make sure that they are not afraid, that they know that they can get access to an abortion if they know to call us or an, another abortion fund, and if they know to check out PlanCPills.org and find out about self-managed abortion. There are 21st century remedies to abortion, and actually there have always been remedies to abortion that were available through herbal methods, et cetera, that are out there. And uh, no one in the 21st century needs to resort to an unsafe abortion. Abortion pills are very safe, 98.8% safe for MISO, and very effective. You know, in the years before Roe versus Wade, when abortion was illegal everywhere, there were networks of underground, essentially criminal networks of women, primarily, um, maybe with some male doctors involved, um, who were uh, providing abortions without regard to the fact that it was illegal. Are we going back to that? Uh, you know, should Roe be overturned? Are we going back to that kind of um, the Jane Network, for example, out of Chicago um, that supplied, you know, abortion access to women in the days when it was illegal? Are we going to have to go back to that? Are we going to have to be smuggling, you know, drugs uh, that may be put on the scheduled uh, list for the DEA, making them illegal, um, that type of thing? Thank you for that question. We're not going back to anything. Um, the situation today in the 21st century with abortion funds is that we have a national network of abortion funds that, that ensure 
if people reach them, that we will help them find access. So what we'd like to do is get the information out there so that this existing network that has been around, there's nothing underground about it. We have 90 members nationwide. Um, most of them have a very good presence on social media. They have websites. Most of them in their states should be well-known by people of reproductive age. Um, so this existing network will be the network that comes together. And we've already come together. One of the very cool things about the National Network of Abortion Funds is that they have predicted what, what has happened now. They have predicted it for years. And over the last few years, they've been piloting in the Atlantic states uh, a group of uh, clinics and volunteers and funds that will receive folks from the affected states. So that's where Floridians will be going. That's where Louisianans will be going. We will be going to these Atlantic states that have been sourced by the National Network of Abortion Funds, uh, given capacity. It's called Operation Scale Up. They've been able to scale up their resources so that they can deal with not only what they do in Virginia or D.C. or Maryland, but they can deal with the influx of folks from the red states. That yeah, I read, their way. I read somewhere that after the <clears throat> Texas six-week abortion ban, there was an eight hundred percent increase in clinics in the surrounding states uh, receiving patients from Texas for abortion access, an 800 percent increase. Yes, and the Texas ban was so unexpected, everyone really thought that our rights would be upheld by the courts. So the preparation was there, but not quite as extensive. Uh, it became clear after that that we, we didn't really have any rights that would be upheld by the courts. And we needed to, to make sure that abortion access was available through our own network and not rely on the courts. So there have been a lot of efforts to build these organizations outside of red states for people to go to. There's also another one in um, Illinois called the Regional Logistics Center. They are all prepared to receive Floridians. So instead of driving people to Tampa from, like, say, Sebring, you may be driving a Sebring client to Tampa Airport to get on a plane and go to one of these Atlantic states that would, I guess, I don't know what the closest one would be, but that they would have to fly to exactly. and then be received by a local volunteer, presumably, with an abortion fund there who will then drive them to a clinic for a lawful abortion mm -hmm. and then presumably maybe put them up in a hotel or maybe even a home stay kind of situation and then back to the airport and then back to Florida. Is that what we envision? That's exactly what we envision. And what uh, the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund has done in the past, we have sent, last year we sent 16% of our clients out of state. We're anticipating that with the 15-week ban, that will go up to 40%. So about 25% will be affected by the, the ban and then we'll have the same uh, 16% that we have seen in the past. So a total of 40%. And we, in the past, have worked with three clinics out of state. Now, because of what we have anticipated, we've increased our memorandums of understanding with an additional 10 clinics outside of our region. We'd like to get more in place by July 1st, but we have 10 partner clinics now in addition to the ones we've always had that we will be sending people to. We have flight Lights down. We, we actually got our first uh, gift card for, for Southwest to send people where they need to go. So we will be, um, yeah, exactly, driving people to airports and getting them to uh, St. Louis or D.C. or Richmond or wherever they need to go. Where their abortion is legal. Correct. Now, one of the scariest things about the Texas situation was the way it made people who assist 
women who need an abortion potentially civilly liable for $10,000 fines uh, for the assistance that they provide. I assume that that's something that the National Organization of Abortion Funds is, has been looking at as well. What What is the position on that? I, again, am not a lawyer, but I can comment that in Texas, we have seen two funds, two abortion funds, uh, their leaders sued uh, in court cases. And the reaction, to my understanding, and Chris, please please weigh in, is that um, our movement has encouraged that because it gives us an opportunity to fight that ridiculous, ridiculous law and to show in court the reasons why um, they should be able to aid and abet. So it's something that uh, did happen and potentially will happen again, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. So that's something that may happen in Florida. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the Florida Supreme Court, uh, which is the highest state in Florida, is now somewhat of a wholly owned subsidiary of Governor DeSantis. So the likelihood of success on that in the legal forum is kind of slim. Yeah. And if if I may add, um, a lot of of activists in Florida have assumed that our constitutional right to privacy will protect us. And because of the recent changes on the Supreme Court by DeSantis, that assumption is no longer valid. It's um, very, very possible and likely that that anything will be supported. Anything that DeSantis brings to them will be supported. Yeah, that I, I should point out that what you're referring to is the fact that the United States Constitution does not contain an actual right to privacy. It was uh, illuminated as a part of the penumbra of rights in the 14th Amendment. And the Florida Constitution, to the contrary, does have an actual stated right of privacy that has been the foundation from all these years for protection of abortion rights and also intimate rights between people's sexual activity, et cetera, all of which is now up in the air uh, if this decision that was leaked recently uh, is upheld and actually uh, issued by the United States Supreme Court because it basically would um, threaten not only abortion rights, uh, but the rights to um, same-sex marriage, the rights to uh, engage in same-sex activity without it being criminalized, and even maybe the right for of interracial marriage. Those are some of the things that would be threatened uh, by the legal principles articulated in this leaked decision. And you know whether that would whether that would extend to Florida or not is an open question. But I think politically, you're probably right. Uh, it's a dangerous. It's dangerous to risk that in the courts of Florida. Yes. So okay. Uh, again, uh, we have a few minutes left, and if you'd like to ask Kelly uh, from the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund any questions about abortion generally or about the Tampa Bay Afor- uh, Abortion Fund itself, give us a call at eight one three two three nine nine six six three. You can text us at eight one three four three three zero eight eight five. And you can send an email to dj at wmnf.org. So uh, now that, um, you know, we are in this pre-July 1st uh, situation before the 15-week ban goes into effect in Florida, um, is your organization um, scaling up using this time to scale up in terms of, you know, uh, 
donations and volunteers and training and uh, the additional clinics that you're trying to involve in your network? Is that part of your plan for the next couple months? Absolutely. We've been scaling up for the last year or so. We realized when COVID hit that we needed to expand our um, capabilities. And so Chris is leading our volunteer effort to get more volunteers and have more volunteer training. And, uh, and I am leading the effort to expand our, our clinic partnerships. And uh, we have been fortunate, very, very fortunate with recent events that our individual donations have really skyrocketed. I mentioned earlier that we had a flip last year between institutional donors and individual donors. And since the um, since DeSantis signed the bill into law and since the leaked opinion, we have had enough funding granted to us to cover almost three months now, three months of operational needs. So that's pretty amazing. Um, some of the large employers in the area have said that they will cover the cost of travel for their employees if they need to travel out of state for abortions. Um, that's that's interesting, but I, I noticed that Marco Rubio, Florida senator, is now proposing legislation to prevent them, for the corporations, from writing off such costs as a, a deduction on their taxes. I'm not sure how much taxes they pay anyway, it's like Amazon, for example. But, but Rubio says his bill, which is called the No Tax Breaks for Radical Corporate Activism Act, <laughs> which would also incidentally apply to gender-affirming care for children. Uh, He says it's needed to prevent the government from subsidizing abortion. But um, abortion travel isn't financially and logistically an option that's available to everyone. And that's uh, why some of these big employers like Amazon, Microsoft, Citigroup, Yelp, Uber, and and I don't know how many more have already pledged to pay these kinds of travel expenses if their employees can't access the procedure in their home state. So are you, are you looking to some of these corporations for help for your network? No, we're not. We're relying on ourselves for that. And what we've seen in Texas is uh, one of the funds in Texas had a remarkable um, situation where they would get a whole plane on Southwest and fly multiple clients on that same flight to New Mexico for treatment um, and then back. So we may have to resort to doing mass movements of people across borders. Um, Hopefully not. And there has also been discussion of having mobile clinics so we could possibly, in a really weird scenario, have, uh, say, a ship off the coast of Pensacola that can provide abortions or some other f- pretty far-fetched Wow. Wow. That, yeah. Well, um, that would certainly be interesting. Um, what, in international waters off yes. the coast of Florida? Mm-hmm. Wow. That, that is something I have not heard before. And that would that would certainly be interesting. That's something that's something that uh, is under discussion among the national abortion funds. There, there's actually an organization called Women on Waves, and they have been doing this for quite a long time. I'm not sure how many years, but they have been going offshore to locations where they needed to provide abortion support for certain areas. And there has been discussion, yes, on them coming to Florida. Wow. Okay. Well. Um, uh, all right. Is there anything else that you'd like our, our listeners to know um, that we haven't talked about in terms of access to abortion or uh, getting in touch with your organization? Or Yes, I, I would like to say that 
I know a number of folks out there and in this listening audience are really riled up with this leaked draft opinion and with the uh, seeming uh, taking, taking away of our constitutional rights and our freedoms and our access. And if you really want to help at this point in time, please give us or another abortion fund a call and we can put you to work right away. We need drivers to get women now to abortion clinics. We need help on our intake line now to get people to abortion clinics. This um, problem with access isn't just because of what's happening at the national level or what's happening at the state level. It'll, it will get much worse after these bans and additional restrictions go into effect. But this has been happening for a very long time, and 614 of our clients last year needed help. So we can use all the volunteers that are able to help us provide that. So if people want more information about that or about the fund itself, uh, tell us again, what is your website? tbafund.com. And you can email info at tbafund.com. For more information. Okay, is there anything you want to add? Chris, uh, you're still on the line as a volunteer? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, that I know that um, there's a lot of client-facing roles and um, definitely a huge need for practical support. But we also have volunteers that help with a lot of things behind the scenes, too. So if, if you're not interested or, or are um, overwhelmed at the thought of working directly with clients, we do... Um, a lot of things behind the scenes, put together care packages for clients, pass out emergency contraceptives and condoms to local communities, graphic design, social media, writing, those types of things. So we could use all types of support, um, any abortion fund, realistically. Um, it, it doesn't just do practical support. There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff, too, if people are looking to get involved. Okay. All right. Well, we certainly appreciate all of the information that um, you've provided about the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund. I have to say, as I mentioned earlier, I consider myself to be a very well-informed person um, on the news and on, on, you know, women's issues and women's rights and organizations. And I, you are fairly new to me uh, just in the last few months, the existence of the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund. And I, I do think that um, it's important to, um, you know, to get your name out there and get, get your existence out there, um, especially now that we're waiting the, awaiting this opinion, especially now that this July 1st uh, deadline is coming up for the 15-week abortion uh, ban. I think it's very important. So if you've been listening to the show and you've learned some things about the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund or about abortion access generally, pass it on. I think that that would, that would be very important. As you said, a lot of your uh, work is word of mouth and uh, your ability to help clients is, is based on word of mouth. I need to uh, thank my guests, Kelly and Jackie from the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund and Chris um, from the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund. And uh, I want to thank my um, sound person, Jessica Green, and Barbara Fling for answering the phone. You are listening to Commercial Free Listener Supported WMNF. Um, and we are here without commercials only because of your support. So if you appreciate the show and the information you receive here, hit the tip jar at WMNF.org slash midpoint. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with a show about permitless gun carry, uh, which is being proposed in the Florida legislature. Please stay tuned for Duncan Strauss and Talking Animals next after the NPR News. We are WMNF Tampa. I'm